0: Uh, Heavenly Father, we thank You so much for Your uh, written Word. We bless You, Lord, that You have uh, shown Yourself to us. Lord, we just pray that You would um, be present with us, that Your uh, Spirit would speak to us, that You would lead us into all truth, that You would um, glorify Yourself uh, in this. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Since the, the end of Christian education, uh, Lavonda, who's on our Christian education staff is here, probably wondering, "What? What? Uh, do, am I gonna have a job on Monday?" Um, <laughs> uh, hopefully not. No. Um, the uh, uh, I, as canon for Christian education, I, I've just really been thinking a lot about um, why we do what we do. What? What is the? What is the goal? What is the end of of what we try to accomplish? Uh, we do what we do, I think, really well. I love our programs. When I'm not teaching, I, I just feel so edified. When I'm not preaching, I feel so edified uh, by the, uh, the different uh, sermons and the, the staff that we have. The, there's an incredible team of, of preachers, both lay and ordained. Uh, but why do we do it? And what is the goal? What, uh, what about small groups? Uh, what is the goal of, of going to small groups? Uh, what is the end of christian education it's important for me to, to think through these things and that's really this is a three-part class um it di- i didn't put in there uh part one of uh three or anything like that but it's a three-part class and we'll I'll sort of tell you what we're going to talk about over the next three weeks but it's important for me to think through obviously why we do what we do is <laughs> you are in, in your um, business or your place of, of work or where you volunteer uh, you want to think through, why Why am I doing what I'm doing? Why do we as a company or we as a family or we as an organization do what we do? Um, and, but it's important for you as a, as a Christian, as a member of this church, as someone who comes to church on Sundays and hears uh, sermons, uh, who comes to Sunday school. Um, you come to Sunday school to learn about a, a topic or a book of the Bible that uh, interests you. You may be involved in a small group or a Bible study. Um, or both, and uh, you may even—and I hope you do—you uh, may read the Bible on your own. Um, why? It sounds like a silly question. Well, why not? Of course, what we're supposed to do. Um, there are—there's really no passage in the Bible that says make sure you have a quiet time every day, make sure you're reading the Bible, uh, make sure that you—there's uh, no—there's no clear teaching on why we should exposit the Word of God. and um, But I, obviously, I think we should. So I want to think through that. Um, I don't think the answer can, can simply be, if we're asking why do we do those things, I don't think the am, answer can simply be uh, to learn about God. Although I hope if you're doing any of those things, every time you do it, you do learn about God. Um, scripture teaches us that the Word of God is living, And active. That's Hebrews 4.12. We'll talk about it a little bit more in a minute. It's not simply about about God. It's not a word about God, but it is God's speaking word. It's His self-revelation to us. And the assumption throughout Scripture is that uh, the Word of God does something to us. That when we engage it, it does something to us, it does something in us, and hopefully it does something through us. Um, if you have, if you had the privilege of listening to Mark Gentlelet and really any of the uh, the recent uh, lecture series that he gave on Thursday nights at Cranmer uh, House, um, if you didn't, I commend them to you. They're online. Um, I'm actually listening, going back through them and listening to them again myself. But what one of the things that was consistent in what Mark taught um, is that Bible study for for the church fathers. That's uh, those Augustine. This is uh, my lovely wife. Happy Mother's Day, and my. Uh, in-laws, happy Mother's Day to you. Um, uh, the church fathers, those early, early on, Saint Augustine, Irenaeus, Saint John, Saint John Chrysostom, um, names you may or may not have heard early, early on in the church, um, and then the reformers, uh, uh, Martin Luther, Calvin, and all of the, their followers, and uh, the the uh, folks who reformed the church after um, after them, they would have said. The Bible study is not an end in itself. The Bible study is not an end in itself. Bible study is not one just one part of a complete life. You're involved in the Junior League uh, or Rotary Club. Uh, you have a happy spouse and 2.7 uh, really brilliant kids. You uh, and really like football and you go to Bible study. And um, and they would say that actually um, that the that that's not. That's not the proper. It, it's not just one part of our life. Uh, in, in a sort of eternal sense, it is the. It is. It helps us to understand the rest of our life. So it's it's our. Um, so Bible study uh, helps us and and helps us to look. So why do we do this? What is the end of Christian education? And I think that there must be four uh, ends. Four ends of Christian education. Now I will say this. I'm thinking through this, and so I put this sort of um, these three classes together. But if you, if you feel like you see a blind spot, or you want to come back and say, I think there's another one, or I think you're a little off here, I really want to hear that. Um, I'm not, um, Part of what I'm doing is not teaching you what I know, but teaching you what I'm learning as I'm going along. So I so I'm really uh, want, want your feedback. But here's the four. Uh, the, end of, the ends of Christian education. The glory of God. The knowledge of God. The people of God. And the mission of God. So the glory of God, the knowledge of God uh, that is how we know uh, God and how what we know of God uh, the people of God that's the church, the fellowship because a lot of times we, you know we go to um, Bible study and we just enjoy the the group and I talked to small groups who've been going for 10 or 12 years here and those are their closest friends and that's good um, and so what is the, what is the, um, the Bibles how does how does Christian education create community the people of God? And then the mission of God. How do we partner with God and what He's doing or sort of jump on board? Today we'll talk about the glory of God and the knowledge of God. Next week we'll talk about the church and fellowship and the body of Christ. And after that we'll take a week off for Memorial Day. And then the first week in June we'll talk about the mission of God. Um, I don't know about you, but I, so as we talk about the glory of God, I when I go often, when I go to listen to a sermon or listen to a class, what I really want... Is I want the preacher or the teacher to wow me. I, I want to be uh, entertained. I want to be entertained. Uh, I walk away and I say, "Man, that guy was incredible." Oh, that guy, or mm, not, you know, not not so good, or I, I didn't really the points weren't clear, whatever. Uh, but what I have to often say, in, in all likelihood, is the content of what was taught or preached sort of skipped off my heart. It was sort of my, my hard heart you know just skipped off the surface um, there have been very few times obviously there have been some times but um, there have been very few times where the message the content uh, gripped my heart where the Holy Spirit um, took the sword of the spirit and ran me through um, now whose fault is that is that my fault uh, is that the boring preacher's fault? Uh, is that actually, or is that the really good preacher's fault? Is it his fault for being too good that I'm looking at? I'm looking at what he has to say or she has to say, and and not what, um, not what they are saying. Um, or how i um, you know what I mean, right? That you're looking at how they say it, and, and wow, he's so you know, expressive or whatever it is, great storyteller. Mm-hmm. Um, is it the Holy Spirit's fault? Is the Holy Spirit just not choosing to use that in my life? I don't. I don't like. I don't have a great answer. I don't think it's really one or the other um, for that. Uh, but what I want to do, at least personally, and and then certainly as the, as the canon for Christian Ed, I, I want to take a posture uh, for Christian education that is more about His glory than it is about my education. And then um, it's uh, His His satisfaction. Rather than my satisfaction, uh, should be the goal. So when he com- when I when I come to Bible study, I come to teach, I come to listen, uh, I come to um, to worship. Um, I- my goal is that he should be satisfied, uh, rather than that I should be satisfied. Now, what I think in that is that I will end up being satisfied. If I aim for my own satisfaction, I'm not going to get it. And if I aim for his satisfaction, I'll end up getting my satisfaction, too. Uh, Now, the trick is making my satisfaction not be some roundabout goal. But that's, I don't think we can, I can't spend too much time worrying about that. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Um, 1 Corinthians is an amazing book. Like, if you look at 1 Corinthians compared to, like, Galatians, 1 Corinthians, these people were crazy. Okay, they were crazy. And they were just, they were they were Christians in a, it, who had been pagans. And so they acted like pagans, even though they were Christians. And, um, and they, I mean, there's somebody sleeping with his stepmom, and there's just all kinds of crazy stuff going on. And Paul sort of addresses these things one by one in 1 Corinthians. And it's a, it's a very contemporary uh, letter. Then you have the Galatians, and they got, their, they got the gospel a little bit wrong. And he is scathing. He has no time for the Galatians. You foolish Galatians! Because they got the, the gospel wrong. For anything, they didn't get the gospel wrong. They just weren't living it out in their lives. So he just kind of walks through it. Very, very interesting, I think. But so he's talking about in chapter ten uh, about uh, they they have apparently have written him some letters asking him what's uh, about some topics, and he's writing them back. And uh, he's talking here about food sacrifice to idols. Some people really don't want to take food sacrifice to idols. Some people think, well, there's no such thing as an idol anyway. And Paul's kind of in that camp, but he says. He he's kind of saying, don't um, don't cause someone to stumble. And um, and, and what you do, partake, take with thankfulness. But if you can't take with thankfulness, then don't partake. That's what he's saying. But then what he says, he says, So whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. And I've just been thinking about that. And I thought, you know, at first I thought, well, that doesn't really have anything to do with what we're talking about. Because we're talking about Bible study, not about what we can eat. But it actually, I mean, Paul kind of says... Listen, your whole life should be, the goal of your life is not your own satisfaction, uh, but the satisfaction of the Lord. Do everything you do for the glory of God. Even something as mundane as eating and drinking. And frankly, um, Bible study can just be sort of a part of the routine, can't it? Part of our life. And so whatever you do, whether it's changing diapers or eating or drinking or um, going to work or going to Bible study, going to church, do it all uh, for the glory of God. And you learn... Uh, to do all for the glory of God through Bible study, but it must begin with doing Bible study for the glory of God. Um, it's not for entertainment, which is not bad in itself. It's not bad. I mean, getting up and walking out in the middle of a class might be bad, but um, but but uh, uh, yeah. Um, the uh, uh, it, it's not for entertainment, but it, I think it's good to enjoy it. I mean, I want you to enjoy. I hope you enjoy this class. I want you to enjoy it. Um, it's not entertainment. It's not bad in and of itself. Uh, it's a benefit, not an end. Uh, it's not for friendship, which of course is a great benefit that we'll talk about next week at um, n- next weekend. It's it's uh, it's part of an end, uh, but it's not the first end. It's not the primary goal. It's not for self satisfaction. It's, it's not to be proud of yourself or how much you know, or uh, and it's not even primarily for its utility. You know, we want. I want you to learn. Uh, principles for su- successful living from the Bible. I don't think there's a better place for you to learn those things. But if we're going to those uh, to the Bible for in order to, with the primary purpose of learning uh, how to live successfully, uh, that's going to end up being works for righteousness and we're not going to end up um, for the glory of the Lord. You get each of these things. You get entertainment, friendship, self-satisfaction. You get um, even utility. You get these things if we seek to study the Word of God for the glory of God. Bible study, uh, as we as we see God and see the character of God in um, Scripture, as we see God for who He is, as we allow um, the Scripture to interpret us and see us for who we are, then Bible study should uh, lead to worship. Not just Sunday morning worship, um, not, maybe, ecstatic, sort of uh, hands in the air at worship. Not, not many people around here do that, and that's okay. But just thanksgiving, praise in your heart, um, active, this interaction with the Spirit. Uh, um, we see, because we see the holiness of God. We see the righteousness of God. Um, and especially when we see ourselves for who we really are uh, through the lens of Scripture. We look through Scripture and see ourselves. So Scripture's like a mirror. Somebody said once that it's, you look into Scripture and you look into a mirror and you see, you know, my hair is messed up and I need to change this and I've got a little um, pimple over here and, um, you know, that's that's uh, that's what we see in the mirror. And Scripture it shows us our, our warts and our pimples. Now it doesn't say, so go go clean those up. You know, get get your hair right. Necessarily, we start with the glory of God. We start with our, our salvation. But our experience, this is so important, our experience must be governed and interpreted by the Word of God. The experience of our life should be governed and interpreted by the Word of God rather than interpreting the Word of God by uh, our experience. Does that make sense? A lot of times we bring, we bring um, expectation. In fact, I think our whole life, that's why, that's why we, we, study, we can study the same passage over and over again. Uh, Scripture interprets us rather than we interpret Scripture through the lens of our experience. We understand our life through the lens of Scripture uh, rather than vice versa. Um, Scripture, or Bible study, is our primary intersection with God. It's our primary intersection with God, uh, which is not to take away from the experience of God, certainly not to take away from prayer, uh, but rather to govern and interpret and discern the experience that we have of God. For instance, you may have heard somebody say, well, you know, God's just really speaking to me, and that's fantastic. I want God to speak to you. I really think, if you look at the life of David, where David says, Lord, where should I go? And he says, go up to Hebron. And so he goes. I, I think that that's a good, I mean, that's not, I mean, David was unique, but I don't think that is an experience that is unique to David. Like, I, th- I think that we can hear from the Lord. And yet, if we hear something from the Lord that is not consistent with Scripture, then we can, we should say that it is not from the Lord. Um, I've heard people say, you know, I think serious. I mean, I've heard people say that you know, I just really feel like the Lord is calling me um, to leave my wife for this other woman. And and that sounds so silly, doesn't it? I mean, maybe it doesn't sound silly. It just sounds so silly to me. Um, but then this is sincere. I mean, you've really felt like this was something he had an unhappy marriage God was giving him happiness. And I just had to say, look, there is no, there's nothing in Scripture that, said, that, I, that says that that is true. But everything in Scripture says that you have the capacity to create something up that you want, and go after and call it God. And you know, I, 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 don't, I don't think he really wanted to hear that, but um, and I, I don't think he listened to it. But um, but we can hear things and call it God that aren't God. The Holy Spirit gets blamed for a lot of th- things that the Holy Spirit doesn't do. Uh, Isaiah 6, sort of the classic um, uh, passage of coming face-to-face with God, experiencing God, as it's the call of of Isaiah. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of His robe filled the temple Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face. With two he covered his feet. With two he flew. And each one called out to one another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. Now, this is an unusual experience. And... um and Isaiah comes in, is ushered into the presence of God, and he sees angels calling out. Uh, the glory of the Lord fills the temple like 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 a robe, and and, and we just it's hard to even imagine uh, what. But it's just a splendor that that Isaiah, what an incredible privilege is is brought in. And what happens next? And I said. Woe is me, for I am lost, and I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. And one of the seraphim, the angels flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar, and he touched my mouth, and he said, Behold, this has touched your lips, your guilt is taken away, your sin uh, is atoned for. And of course, Isaiah goes on, Uh, he accepts the calling of the Lord, and he goes on to be a great prophet. So Isaiah comes into the presence of God and is immediately aware of who God is, of His extreme and utter holiness, His difference uh, from us, His otherness. And he he also is aware immediately of, of who He is. And he sees the dramatic disparity, one uh, from the other. And his reaction is to fall down on his face in fear. Um, And then he receives mercy and grace, atonement, justification. And he submits to Christ. He submits to God in humble obedience and active service. Um, He comes into the presence of the glory uh, of God and sees God for who he is. Sees himself for who he is, falls down, receives mercy, uh, goes out in service. Our posture in Christian education should be focused on God and not on ourselves. If we're focused on God and his purposes, we can can be sure that our needs will be met. And sometimes we can be sure that our wants will be changed. So, that is what I have to say about uh, coming to Scripture, coming to Christian education for the glory of God of God. And I would love just if you have any questions or if you have any comments or feedback. What are your thoughts on what I have said so far? Something wasn't clear? Something we added to? How do you differentiate to? between
1: works righteousness and doing everything for the glory of God?
0: How do you differentiate? Well, I, how do you keep from, if
1: you're doing everything, if you tell yourself you're doing everything for the glory of God, how does that not just turn into works righteousness is it? It, it almost seems.
0: Well, like works righteousness
1: is calling the same you know, different term for the same thing.
0: Right? Well, works righteousness is doing things for your own glory. And so, doing it for the glory of God would be for His glory. And the only way to stay consistent with doing it for the glory of God is repentance. And just with a self uh, sort of awareness, sort of daily repentance. Um, you know, I, I'm going to mess this up. I'm going to take the glory back, Lord. I don't want to. I want you to have it. You know, train me in that. And I, I think that's just sort of a daily part of, of our prayer, asking God to train us in that posture. But it, it, I don't know if that makes sense. I mean, we're going to have to do things for the glory of God. I mean, as a response to His grace to us. not not in, If it's for His glory, it's not for our salvation. Not to grant to No. His grace. No. And I, I guess I should clarify that. That, um, that this is for... The, I, my assumption is not, uh, it, it, sort of, in thinking this through, is not um, that we should <coughs> receive God's favor for this. But having received God's favor by grace, now how do we come to Christian education? Why do we keep going to Bible study? What is it? What is it doing to us? What should it? What should it do? Maybe I'm asking the wrong question. So you can, but I think it's important. But keep, keep piling on. That's good. That's good. Keep keep the questions coming, or keep the keep the feedback coming. What else? <clears throat> Nothing? I must be good. All right. Um, so that so so if our posture is for the glory of God, then the next end must be the knowledge of God. We should know God personally. We should know about God, and as I really mean both of those things. Knowing God and knowing about God. Um, look at the author of Hebrews. If you if you've read the book of Hebrews, it, it, it's an incredible work. It is, um, in some some ways, it is um, difficult to understand. I think, and one of the reasons is that he refers to to Scripture over and over again, to Old Testament Scripture. He's constantly, and, and some of these, you think, well, I, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have used that Scripture that way. I wouldn't have known that I could. I didn't think. Uh, you, you have to wrestle with the author of Hebrews. We don't know um, who it was, but um, but he must have known Scripture. He must have poured over Scripture. Now, granted, I, I mean, certainly want to understand that that God inspired the writing of the book of Hebrews, and so um, and so God could have just you know, just zapped it into his mind. But I, I, I don't think it typically worked that way that it was, it was, it was what he understood was born out of his interaction uh, with Scripture. And this is, what, um, this is what the author says in chapter 4, uh, verse, beginning with verse 12. He says, "...the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart." And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then... Given the grace that we have been given. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So, Scripture is living. It is active. Uh, It is not just words on a page. It's not ink and paper. Um, It's one of my favorite Bibles. I really really like it uh, a lot. And I use it sort of my preaching. It has a good flop to it, you know. It's kind of my preaching and teaching Bible. And uh, when he was real little, Thomas liked it too. And he um, he tore it up. And, and I've kind of I've, there's a hole in it, and there's some tape. And, and I've got a couple other Bibles that have you know I had them open, and and one of the kids scribbled scribbled all over. It's no big deal, because it's this is not a holy thing. This is ink and paper. But what it communicates to us is the word of God. Uh, it is uh, What it communicates is living and active. This is not living and active. It's no big deal. It is ripped. What's living and active is the Word of God spoken to us by the Holy Spirit planted in our hearts. Um, I often pray uh, before a sermon that God would take uh, the words that I speak, that He would translate them how He wants them in the air before it reaches your ears, and plant that in, in His heart. It's, it's the living and active spirit speaking of God, speaking of the Holy Spirit into our hearts. That's the Word of God. It's not just words on a page. Uh, there's something entirely different about reading this Word than reading, say, like a Grisham novel or a Shakespearean play or a news article um, because the Word of God is delivered to us by the Holy Spirit. And that's why you can, you can read the same passage over and over again hundreds of times and then all of a sudden you see something new because the Word of God is living and active, it crawls all over us and in to us. It interacts with us. There may be something uh, right now where uh, you know John 15 really, uh, really interacts with, but something completely different going on in my life in 20 years from now, and I will probably read it a hundred times between now and then or more. And and um, and at that point, it will have a new message for me. There will be some new way about abiding or or the fruit or the pruning or whatever it is. Uh, that that will that will be new because the word of God is living uh, and active. Um, however, it is as it is living and active as the Holy Spirit communicates to us. We learn and we come to the Bible in Scripture. Uh, we learn that uh, we learn of God's character. We learn of His nature. We learn uh, that He is holy. Uh, we learn that God is a God of love, and we uh, we need to spend our life understanding what that means because we already know what we think love is. Um, but we see the many, many different aspects of God's character. We know that God is a God of love, and then we come to Second Samuel, where God kills this guy named Uzzah uh, for touching the Ark of the Covenant. When all Uzzah was trying to do was keep the Ark from spilling out. And and how do how do we reconcile that um, that God is a God of love when we see this sort of wrathful uh, uh, episode? How, well, the Bible. I, I don't think that we would naturally wrestle with that if the Bible didn't force us into that. The Bible forces us uh, to uh, out out of making God in our own image. Out of imagining who God is. It's good to use your imagination when you read the Bible, but it's not good to imagine who God is when it's not governed by Scripture. Now, just as an aside, I think that speaks to the holiness of God. I think uses probably in heaven, but I don't um, but I, I think that God, it speaks to His uh, holiness. And He means what He says when He says, don't touch the covenant. So, um, that doesn't make Him not a God of love. And so, we, we the Bible forces us to, to wrestle with, and therefore to know more intimately, uh, the God to whom the Scriptures witness. We would never know if it weren't for Scripture, that that God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Bible takes us out of um, our own imagination. We we would not come up with God as one in three persons, and the Father is distinct from the Son, and the Son is distinct from the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is distinct from the Father and the Son, and yet they are one in three persons. I don't know how that works. We couldn't make that up. But learning about God when, we, when our focus is on, on His glory should and I think will lead us to intimacy uh, with God. Um, John 15, I'm going to go back. I just mentioned that a minute ago as an example. But um, John 15, beginning with verse 4. Abide in me. This is Jesus talking. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Uh, verse seven: If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. There is, um, I mean, to me that there's lots to say about that, but it just communicates an intimacy It comes from this sort of being with God, this um, this uh, relating to God, uh, a knowledge of God. Have you ever have you ever met someone like? they just they just knew you could look in their eyes like they just know God. Like you can you can see it. They just there's this sort of they just spend so much time with him. They have this intimacy. I, I long for that sometimes. Um I, I just think that but I don't think that the, those types of people are unique. I mean I think that, that each of us can can know God, uh, abiding in him and he in and in us. Um scripture Uh, talks about Scripture, uh, 2 Timothy 3.16. We'll go there. Um, 2 Timothy 3.16, this is Paul writing to his protege, Timothy, and he says that all Scripture is breathed out by God, is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Now, um, you can see that there's a progression First, we're we're taught. So we kind of go along our merry way. We're taught maybe that the way we're going about things isn't isn't right. We see that in Scripture. So then we receive reproof from Scripture. Scripture corrects us, sort of sends us on the right way, and then trains us in righteousness. Now, I've always um, thought about that as sort of teaching. uh, Scripture teaches us how to live righteously. That is, how to... um, uh, teaches what clean living is and teaches us to to um, to live that way. But as I've thought about it is for this class, I really think that training in righteousness must not only be uh, clean living but also uh, must necessarily involve knowing the character of God. That to know, um, uh, to be trained in righteousness is to be trained in the character of God and to know Him uh, well. And so we've got uh, six or eight minutes left. Um here's, here's the conclusion. I would just love if you have any some, some feedback on, on what I'm thinking through and what I'm talking about uh, with you. Um, if our posture in all of Christian education is one of outward focus, that is giving glory to God uh, rather than seeking our own glory or seeking our own satisfaction, then um, we will pay attention not just to the stories in Scripture, but to God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And then, seeing God, we will know about Him, uh, and knowing about Him, we will love Him, and we will fear Him appropriately. So I think it begins with knowing—I mean, approaching it for the glory of God, for His satisfaction—and then in doing that, we begin to know Him. And we'll talk about the other ends as well. But love, just love your—I don't know if this is what you expected—and um, would just really value your interaction, your feedback.
1: Mm-hmm. Not only do we come to know God and the character of God, but we also come to know our own character,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and that can create an authentic appreciation of the magnificence of the gospel, which in turn prevents works righteousness. Right.
0: Is mm-hmm. that, is that a fair? Oh yeah, I, I, I absolutely so. When we when we see uh, Scripture does point out sort of our, our you know the the ways in which we are not like God. Which does highlight the fact that he would love us and, and give us grace. Um, I don't think we need to be afraid of saying, "Well, that that um, should or ought to." It's hard. I think I feel like it's hard to articulate um, without sounding like works righteousness. But I think it, I think there is a um, a natural development, a fruit of the spirit that will flow into good works for that. Um, scripture is very clear. Other people need our good works. God doesn't. So it's not to not to not to curry favor with Him. Uh, but yeah, we definitely see our see ourselves. So maybe that's an end of Christian education too, is to is to see ourselves. That's good. But it, it, it can't be the first end, because no. um, I think it's it's easy. My, our natural tendency, just as as fallen humans, is to is to um, look for ourselves in the pages of Scripture. So, and then like those passages best. So. <laughs> what else?
1: So it's just about the knowledge thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can't overlook, I don't think, just the ABCs. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, I like Joe Lin- uh, Joe Lin- uh, Jay Leno. Jay uh. hmm but he'll sometimes go out and do things and ask people things on the street, and when he comes to asking biblical things, it's pathetic what people answer. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's kind I'm sure they. Some of that is comical, but. But it also. Points out, you know, just the plain. Basics like you know. Uh, the ABCs. Mm-hmm. And if you don't know the knowledge, it's hard to know the glory of God it's hard to know much else so just a plug for the teaching of the you know the old Bible stories and the general mm-hmm. what teachers do in the first, second, third grade
0: right well that's helpful that's helpful I think that um. I think that we we do we learn um, we, we see God's glory through the through the witness of Scripture with the stories or the the um, Exhortations of Paul, or how or whatever it is, <coughs> absolutely. But and that's that's how we, we know him, and that's how we that's I think what Mary was saying. That's those are, that's where we learn about ourselves as well.
1: I'll tell you one quick story about Amy. She mm. probably won't like this.
0: Mm. <laughs> I tell stories that she didn't like all the time. Okay. So yeah. <laughs> but
1: it's important uh. to teach a chore, mm-hmm. okay? the children. I'm disappointed in this whole thing. Okay? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> one time, uh, the financial secretary. <laughs> I heard her on the Monday morning laughing. And I thought, what in the world is the matter with her? She came in and she said, I want to show you Amy's uh, envelope from yesterday. <coughs> and um, Amy didn't have any money that day. She so, turned an envelope and she put on her cult short this week. <laughs> 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 but so she didn't give anything, but she made it up. Mm. So, I mean, it wasn't much you know the nickel or dime or whatever but the point of it is that was teaching you know so now she makes a little more money than a nickel a week I hope
0: not much <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, so, mm-hmm.
1: but, but you teach those things you know you don't realize you're teaching mm-hmm. but it's really important to teach your children though. am short I've been called short, yeah, called short. From called short myself yeah. <laughs> from her allowance she had spent it on something else
0: all right well thank you uh for if you didn't know, my father-in-law richard is a, was a pastor himself uh, retired now but um the um so let's end in prayer and i, I just again if you um i hope you'll uh, think about coming back for the uh, next couple of, of these as we talk about um the uh the church and and the god's mission but but if you if you're thinking about it and and something comes up as you, it, it, during the week, give me a call or shoot me an email. I'd love to love to hear your your thoughts on it. Uh, Heavenly Father, thanks so much for uh, your Word. Help us to understand um, you and to understand as best we can, and to understand your Word, to be blessed by it. But Lord, to bless you in it as we approach it, uh, let us um, interact with uh, your living and active uh, Word. We thank you for it. Uh, we thank You that it tells us about Jesus and, um, and what He's done for us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.
1: Amen.